0: what up what up gm what's up what's up chad I, i'm not sure if uh chad barryford is joining just give us a minute here and we'll find that out
1: we do have pluto which is just as good what's up guys what's up pluto happy friday happy friday this week went fast i feel like we were just doing this
0: <laughs> yeah it does <laughs> that, that always ends up happening i'm like wait didn't we just do one of these Last week was a good one, and we have a big release this week. That we we talked a little bit about last week, but we kind of got, uh, you know, into that privacy conversation a little bit. But uh, big release that happened this week: Thornode one ninety five. Talk about that a little bit. We'll go into Avax new uh, new chains, be, the new like process for chains being added.
2: I guess you, you could call it. Uh, yeah, some good stuff coming up. Yeah, let's definitely dive into um, 195. Yeah,
0: sweet, let's do it. So um, Pluto, what's new in 195? I know we have protocol owned liquidity, which we can talk about uh, more in depth. We have low volume pools being demoted. Um, What kind of details you got about 195?
2: Yeah, so um, let's start with protocol on liquidity. So I know we discussed that some um, on the last on the last spaces. So we don't really have to go into that too much. Um, other than that, to say you know it it landed in one nine five, um, and basically we're going to begin testing in it, um, testing on it um, on Stage Net. Um, so myself and a couple other of the devs are basically putting together like a, um, like a test plan. Um, so trying to figure out like what the expected results of the different models that we've run on protocol on liquidity so far would be. And then we're going to go into StageNet and test those assumptions using, you know, real real um, synth utilization and synth minting. So um, that's going to be happening over the coming weeks. Um, as we start battle testing protocol on liquidity, we'll give more updates on where that's landing um but that's a that's a big pr and that's going to be an excellent um you know uh, beginning um of the single-sided liquidity so um expect to see more prs for that feature starting to land now that protocol on liquidity has landed um so yeah that's pol i just i'm 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 having trouble restarting my computer right now do you just want to just remind me what the next we can just go through them one by one or just or just hit like the big ones
0: yeah. Um well while I while I try and pull that up, um another I know another thing we have is uh, pools being demoted for low volume. So that's that's a new thing that's recently been I mean it's added to oh, 195, yeah, 195. So I think that's yeah. one of the really big things
2: one nine five. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um so some people will probably notice that there's a number of pools on Thorchain that produce like zero daily volume. Um SNX, Aave, uh, Yearn, um, and some of them, you know, like produce very, very low um, volume. So basically what's happening is like that those, those, those people are like parking their assets in, in Thorchain pools and they're receiving block rewards to their LPs. So basically the protocol reserve is just like awarding them with, you know, Rune, even though it's it's not generating any, those pools are not generating any income for the network. Um, so the PR went in. I'm not sure if this is one that it has to be voted on in order for it to take, um, to be enabled or to take effect. I can probably look that up while we're on the call here. But um, if it does, then we'll have to do a node vote to actually enable that feature. So to so basically like set like a minimum, um, like a minimum liquidity fees amount um over a certain time period in order for a pool not to be demoted. Um, so yeah, basically the the, the purpose of that um, the purpose of that change is just to make sure that we're not like wasting protocol reserve funds on pools that are not actually that, that have no possibility to even like replenish the protocol reserve in the form of fees and, and are not providing any utility to the users of Thorchain. Um that's a good call out that one. That's cool yeah, that do you know what the I'm
0: the... oh, sorry, you get chat
1: Oh, just saying that's cool to make the reserve like more efficient. But so you're saying that it would be like an automated, uh, cutoff. It wouldn't be like voting on S and X. It would just be like, Oh, S and X is below this fee threshold. Therefore it's like automatically
2: kicked into staging. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, yeah, that, I think what it is, is it's, there's going to be a certain liquidity fees threshold where if it, if it's not earning a certain amount over that same time period, then it's just going to be, yeah, demoted. Um, uh, the exact mechanic of it, I'm not sure. I I was I didn't author this PR, but um, I can while we're while we're on this call, I'll, I'll be like reading through the the PR, so I can give a more definitive answer on that.
0: Cool. Other stuff I'm looking at in 195 uh, allowed node operators to update the operation fee. I I, I assume that it was because of that the uh, uh, you know problem, problems that people were having with the uh, node operation fees for um pooled nodes so that's where multiple people can bond to one node and i think there was some some issues that um that node operators were having with that with being able not being able to update their fees at certain times so i think this one uh effectively fixed that so now node operators can just change the the fees uh which seems to make a lot of sense because it's a trusted (laughs) relationship that nodes have with their with their clients that they uh you know provide bond with so it seems to be a a good change that rolled out 195. Yeah.
2: Yeah, definitely. Exactly. Like you said. Um, yeah, that, that, that we, a couple of node operators had approached us and been like, Hey, like, what's the problem with this? Like, you know, or, or they had, they had set it. Um, and then, you know, to like they'd send like a test transaction to set it to like 1.1% or something. And then they were like, do I have to really rebuild my node and, you know, have my, my bond providers all withdraw and then rebuild my node and then have them redeposit just to change it. Um, so yeah, just, just exactly what you were saying. Like the node, the bond provider relationship is it's meant to be like, you know, uh, like four or five bond providers in a, in a, you know, in a trusted relationship that are all pulling together into a node. Um, so basically our thought process there was that, you know, sure. If a node operator wanted to like rug their bond providers, um, they would be able to with this change by like you know changing the you know operator fee to 100 percent at the last minute. but then like their their bond providers would you know basically realize that they'd pull their bond and you would have just like ruined a lucrative business relationship. So like when we when we thought about it from like you know in in, in reality like our node operators gonna actually like you know abuse this, um, it didn't seem like that that would be likely so. Um we just went ahead with that change. Um Right. And they, they wouldn't be able to steal like the actual
0: root exactly provided, just the just the rewards that's accrued to a specific bond provider.
2: Yeah, exactly. The the thinking there is like would any node operator like risk um you know the 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 business relationship of earning ten or fifteen or twenty percent of node income for you know years to come? Or with or you know try to steal like one churns worth of rewards it's just the game theory doesn't work out um, all right let's talk about the um, not, while we're talking about sort of like bond and and, and, and node stuff let's talk about the um, the changes to the effective bond cap um, so basically that was a PR that went in um, super creative idea um, by uh, son of Odin um, which basically was to uh, essentially, instead of having the, um, the, the, the bond-weighted rewards, which today are three times the minimum bond, so essentially like the minimum bond to enter the network today is $300,000. 3 times that is 900000 So that's why you'll, if you look at like thornode.network or a list of all the nodes, you'll see that most of the nodes um, hover at or around 900,000 because that's the optimal amount of bond to receive the most rewards on your node. Um, So if anyone has questions about like why we do bond weighting in general, um, save them until the end and we can talk about it. But basically, that way, the way we, you know, arrived at that, you know, 3x minimum bond was really just sort of a, a guess. Um, and so what this new feature does, or this new PR does, is to make it instead based on um, something algorithmic or something you know uh, mathematical. So what we do is we take the um, the the highest um, the highest bo- um, the highest bond of the bottom two-thirds. Um, so if you were to look at like the nodes that we have today, I think we, there's about 93 on the network. So if you were to take two-thirds of that, um, you'd basically say um, 62. So, so, num- number, so, so basically um, 90 – sorry, let me just do the math on this real quick. Um, so if you were to look at the, the node today that's in the 31st slot, um, then that would be the node that is effectively um, the, 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 the highest bond weight reward cap um so it's a little, it's a little bit confusing but basically the idea there is to make it so that it's um it's it's essentially captures um the the node that is providing the most amount or it's providing the most amount of security before falling into the threshold of consensus that you would no longer be providing security i think i got that right um but yeah basically that change makes it so that that minimum or that bond weighted reward is sort of on a um, on a sliding scale rather than like fixed as a function of you know some other arbitrary number, which is the minimum bond. Um, so hopefully that explanation made sense. But we think that overall that's going to lead to more optimal bond distributions.
0: Yeah, I think the only thing that people might not know is that the amount of rewards that a, a node gets is weighted based on the amount of rune that they supply, but that's only up to that certain threshold. So this just changes that threshold, which changes the basically the, the, the maximum, the optimal amount of of rune to supply to the network. So this just it, it makes it that it, it's that sliding scale that that makes it so it it can scale up, it can scale down. It, it doesn't have to be changed with a constant; it just changes with the effective bond of the network, and it, it won't be affected by like a, a large node. Uh, leaving the network or uh, anything like that. It, it's, it's, it's like a, a nice median point where um, it, it'll say it's somewhat stable, but it can, it can increase and decrease, you know, freely with the market. Yeah. Good call.
2: Um, all right. Let's talk, let's take a look at, let's see if there's a, well, obviously another important um, PR that landed this release was AVAX. So AVAX is now merged into the main code base and, it's essentially ready to be um, enabled as soon as we complete the remaining audits. Um, so, there's still some, so there's still some discussion as to whether we have to get the Code Arena. Um, that I think on the last space, uh, we had someone on from Code Arena, which basically, it's a really cool program. It's a way of getting more eyes, more people hacking on the ThorChain code base. And so the thinking was originally that like we would have them uh, review the AVAX chain client and then that would be sort of the um, the audit, so to speak, for that chain client. Um, but essentially when we had some discussions with them, we we figured that it was actually would be more um, more beneficial to have them review the the main like the main Thornode code base and like all of the LP accounting, all of the observation logic, churning, like that stuff is is definitely. Um, super important and like we want to get more eyes on that as well so we just think that it might end up being more bang for our buck to have that uh, code competition be on the main thornode code base Um, and because the avax chain client is basically like 95 percent the same as the evm client which has already been battle tested um, that we're just going to basically you know have one more pass at it from our internal security team and then launch avax so I think we could see Avax um, starting to roll out over the next week or two um, rather than having to wait for that Code Arena competition since I since personally I think that the the our time, you know, and the money spent having those extremely talented eyes on the code base would be better spent um, on the main Thornode code base, but that's still we're still trying to work it out with them what like the most, you know, optimal use of of their time is going to be. Right, and it's
0: not like the, the router for AVAX is unaudited. It's just it's a fork of the uh, the Ethereum router, basically. So it, it's not like it's completely unaudited code that's
2: that's going into Thorntail. Right, I mean it's it's sort of the same thing that we did with um, with Adam. Um, Adam also did not receive a formal uh, code audit because it's it's basically the same exact code that. It's, a, it's just the Cosmos chain client, right? And more generically speaking, it, there's nothing. there was nothing different between Atom and Terra. Uh, and we already had the Terra chain client audited by Terra SCV, um, and they did a really good job on that audit. So basically, since it's the same exact code, we felt um, confident enough to just move forward with launching Atom um, using that same code. Um, since there's really no difference, there's like no differences in how for example, you know, consensus works the same on two Cosmos SDK chains, um, but otherwise, there's, um, you know, in terms of the, um, in, in in terms of like AVAX versus Ethereum, again, ninety five percent of the mechanics are the same under the hood. Um, so we're probably just going to have, you know, do a couple more passes on that and then uh, start to roll that out. Yeah, and one thing
0: pointed out by uh, by one of the devs is that the uh the Avax router was was audited by Hacken already uh so that the the solidity contract there was already audited independently so yeah but it, sure. it's good that good that the code arena thing like you know hopefully you guys can get that all worked out and I think it'd be great if they audited the entire like node code base because i mean um it's a big community of of white hats over there and getting getting all their eyes on on thorchain and you know really digging into this stuff that just that just creates a bigger you know white hat community around around thorchain and you know more people poking trying to discover bugs accounting errors and invariances you know like you know any type of thing that we want discovered you know these are the type of people that uh are going to get it done so i think a a full audit would be really beneficial
2: from them for sure yeah, definitely super excited about that. Um, the code arena. Okay, um, let's uh, let's move on. There, okay, so there's a bunch of like little things. There was two um, PRs that went out that should essentially. Um, there's just tweaks to how we report gas on various chains, um, Ethereum and Atom. Um, that's going to reduce in uh, slashes, less slashes for node operators, so more rewards on average, hooray! Um, and then how we calculate fees on Ethereum also changed. We collected a lot of data, um, but that also should uh, that also should reduce. Um, um, basically, sorry, the, the Ethereum fee is the one that's going to re- uh, save um, reduce slashes the Atom change to how we report fees is going to reduce chain bloat by sending fewer messages. Um, Let's see, we did, okay, there were some changes to configs. This stuff is all pretty boring. Yeah, just a lot of like bug fixes, tech. ADR4? Uh, Yeah, ADR004, so that was just, um, so again, that's just the uh, PR that like merges the actual the actual, um, proposal into the, into the architecture repo. Um, so that one's still, that one has been under discussion. Um, we're probably going to start a node vote for that pretty soon. Um, so basically what ADR 004 does is it encrypts, um, the Bifrost key shares and stores them on chain so that in the event that, you know, uh, the chain was halted either by, you know um you know some sort of hack or um you know outside pressure um that we would be able to reconstitute the asgard vaults and then restart the chain either from you know either from scratch or from where we left off um so that's definitely going to be like one of the better um you know code-based things that we can do in terms of censorship resistance Um, And so we'll have uh, we'll have node operators voting on that sometime soon, probably within the next uh, within the next week or so. Um, Another another vote that we're also going to have to um, put out as well for node operators is going to be um, flooring the outbound fee. Um, So basically, um, since the outbound fee right now for. Sending on the on the um, on the BNB chain is so low. Sometimes our bots don't actually use synths to arb; they they just use um, they use like actual L1 outbounds on the BNB chain. Um, and so what that does is that creates a lot of um, like pressure on the on the queue on on the swap queue, um, w- which is basically like you know it prevents Asgard from you know staying up to the date with the queue. So in order to increase the throughput, there we w- we really want to encourage um, synth um, synth utilization and arbitrage opportunities, um, and so by doing that, we'll basically by by putting the the minimum outbound fee to one dollar, um, it would essentially have that effect. Um, so a couple, you know, both of these ADRs, ADR 3 and 004 are somewhat technical, um, but they're still things that sort of like change the the fundamentals of ThorChain, change the security of ThorChain. And so as such, we would need um, node operator approval to move forward with those. So we'll get going on those votes pretty soon here. Sweet. Is there anything else in 195? I don't, I don't know if I see anything major. Nope, nope. Mostly just bug fixes. This is this was the biggest um, release, I think, that we've ever done. So, you know, combination of a lot of bug fixes, optimizations, new features. Um, and so, yeah, there's, I think... It's going to be adopted anytime now. I think there's like one or two nodes left and then that will be adopted. And then, yeah, just excited to start um, testing protocol and liquidity on StageNet. Awesome to hear the
1: details of the update. Yeah, I think that's the most exciting part uh, just for like us uh, normies out here, <laughs> regular users and stuff. It's just like this is really laying the groundwork for like the next set of huge features. So, um, yeah, it'll just be cool to like hear about the testing and then hopefully get those features rolled out. Once everything's safe.
0: Yep. POL is the backbone of synthetic asset scaling on ThorChain. So POL working means that we can start scaling synthetic assets, which uh, will just basically allow us to grow single-sided
2: liquidity ads once that feature is finally live. Sweet. I'm going to uh, drop off to work on some other stuff right now, but if you guys need me to come up and like um, explain or clarify anything, then just like shoot me a DM on Discord and I'll hop back in. All right.
0: Sounds good. Thanks, Pluto, for coming up. Sounds
2: good. Thanks. Later. Cool. So looks like we're not getting Chad today.
0: <laughs> um, no, I guess not. But eh, that's all right. No problem. Uh, yeah, it's a big release. One nine five pol avax is going well. Looks like we'll have that within the next within the next few weeks. It's been baking on StageNet for a while, and once avax is out, um, aggregator will be out. Uh, like. Like very soon afterwards, or, or right when the release happens, basically. So yeah, that's going to be really big too. A- aggregator with um with Avax is going to get us, you know. Hopefully, that'll generate some really nice fees for Avax LPs on on Thorchain.
1: Yeah, totally. I think it it'll be cool to like see how a launch goes with like all the added stuff, like the aggregator right off right off the bat. You know, like that should make the launch. A lot stronger, I would think. It really makes like the functionality from from day one a lot higher. So hopefully that drives a lot more volume and attracts a lot more liquidity right away.
0: Yeah, it's just going to be a great chain right from the start because you know just low low fees, uh, you know, quick quick client like that, that's the, the low that, that's what everyone wants on an author chain is just you know quick transactions, you know, easy arbitrage. Um, exactly, you know, lo- low fees. It's, it's going to be really good, especially you know, I, we, we've seen like the even the depth on on Apex is Well, it's not super deep. It's only you know around like three million or, or so last time I checked. um they're, they're they're generating a lot of fees for the amount of liquidity that's that, that's there. You know, especially in comparison to the other pools. uh You know, the APRs on on Atom Pool are very high, so I, I would expect to see you know something something similar, probably even higher for for Avax. I think there's a lot more. Uh, interest in AVAX than something like Adam, personally.
1: Definitely, yeah. The AVAX ecosystem is pretty on fire. Those, I mean, I'm not in it super deep, but like, uh, definitely see a ton of activity and a ton of excitement over there. So, definitely one of the, I mean, clearly would be the best chain to get in here. So excited for that, and also getting the the stables, the AVAX stables, I think is pretty big. Like having um, having a cheap, fast USDC, USDT uh, from AVAX. So that'd be cool to see those pools too. Those should be, maybe that will become probably the most popular stable pools over time. I would imagine.
0: Yeah, It's probably going to be an insane yield on them because people are going to be trading back and forth a lot. It has the only like, you know, low fee alternative to uh BUSD. So yeah. I, I, I could see, you know, USDC on, on AVEX being really nice. Same. Um one of the other things that's happening right now is nodes are voting for the next chain that they want added to, to Thorchain. So there's a new um Amir uh, command called next chain. And uh every every single chain, like every single chain that's being considered right now has like has a number like you know, dash is nine, haven is ten, and nodes can vote on uh you know what they want the next chain added to Thorchain uh, to be. So the information for that is in the Thorchain uh developer discord in the, the Thornode mainnet announcement channel. And that's where nodes can just signal what what chain client they they want uh added next, obviously after Abex. And it, it's really just signaling uh you know to the devs which which chains to be working on. Because like, you know, up to this point, uh, you know, the, the devs being like the the core team who did the, the Doge integration a while back and then you know nine realms who who did the the Terra Adam, and the Avax integration is signaling to them, like, you know, you know, don't drop everything and start working on on this integration. But these are um, what the nodes want on on Thorchain next. This is what we want integrated on Thorchain next. So, whoever you know is doing well in these votes will uh, likely be getting you know just to developer attention to get them on because there's only you know uh, so there's only so many people working on these things. So, um, you know, things need to be focused and the nodes need to signal which chains they, they want added for it to happen so
1: yeah i like that new signaling process i think it was pluto that went into depth on that last week but um kind of like flips the whole process upside down from what it was before it was kind of like things being built and then it's like hey nodes you want this right and now it can be like okay what do the nodes want make sure that devs are working in alignment with what the nodes actually want so hopefully that means like i don't know less uh just more focus on the things that actually matter, the things that are actually get pushed, and you know, better allocation of resources.
0: Yeah, it, it's tough. it's a tough process, and it's kind of like a, a balancing act because you know the the developers, you know, they want new new features on Thorchain, they want new new chains as well, but then you know those interests might not be what what the nodes want. So there needs to be some kind of way for the nodes to say that you know this is what this is what we want to, to add, and then you know, attention can be focused on, on what they want to be added or, you know, or not. So, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully this, you know, this new process goes well, we'll see how it, we'll see kind of how it it goes out, but you know, something needed to be put in place to just, um, you know, so have some kind of signaling, uh, process. So some kind of like formal things to, you know, quantitatively say like, you know, these nodes say yes, these nodes say no, these nodes want this, these nodes want that. So you know, hopefully this is the, this is the better way to do things for now. We'll see how it, how it goes out. They is, this vote literally just started like, like last night, probably like 12 hours ago or something like that. So I, I you know, uh, definitely check it out if, if you haven't already. And if you're a node operator, definitely um, you know, use, use, make relay, make your voice heard. And, you know, also just mirror your, your vote and um, you know, signal what chain you want added next to third chain.
1: Have you seen any stats rolling in yet on on the votes? I, I haven't looked.
0: I think there's just been six votes for Binance Smart Chain. Um, there's a lot of people talking mm, about, yeah. about Haven, obviously. Um, there's Dash. Uh, you know, like, there's a lot of things that, that have um, you know a lot of a lot of support. Um, but I think right now the only votes are for Binance Smart Chain. But I mean, it's just a signal what what the nodes actually want added into into Thorchain. Uh, so that way, you know, devs aren't spending, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of man hours, like, you know, build, building out some chain client or something. And then, you know, it turns out, like, you know, the, the nodes don't even want it in door chain or are not going to run the, the daemon. So
1: totally. Yeah. I was going to say, like, my prediction would probably be that it's VSC for the vote. Just it's probably like the biggest low hanging fruit. Uh, after after Avax, so um, I know like there were things about the the node requirements being really high. I don't know if that's been like looked at or addressed or considered, but um, yeah, as far as just like volume, liquidity, users, um, you know, BSC is kind of and it being like a simple integration because it's just another EVM. So
0: yeah, for sure, there's no, there's no easy answer. It's like you know, every single chain has its has its you know pros and. And cons, you know, whether it's easy to implement, whether it's hard to implement, you know, whether it puts, you know, there's a lot of different things to consider when, like, you know, thinking about whether to add a chain or not to add a chain. So that's just why, you know, it's, it's best that the nodes decide, um, you know, what, what exactly is happening with the chain because they're the ones that are actually responsible for uh, for the, the chain itself and they have to be the stewards of it. So,
1: Yeah, I think, um, yeah, BSC, I mean, Haven, that's, of course, like a controversial one at the moment. We'll see what happens there. But um, also like osmosis on the list, I feel like that could get some interest and attention. I don't know if it'd be the, the number one vote this round. We'll see. But I definitely think there's interest for osmosis. And I mean, you can already get over there like through the Atom integration, but feels like the osmosis community is um, just a, a little more like interested in DeFi and like things that things that we're doing over here. So osmosis integration could be an interesting one
0: yeah i know pluto is a big fan of the an osmosis integration i think that'd also be a really strong one and then we could get you know dex working working yeah that uh it, it could be a really really strong integration because they have a really strong uh just dex over there too so I, I think I think that would be a great, but they, you know, there's like there's so many priorities, and you know, eventually, like you know, given you know unlimited amount of time, an unlimited amount of trade integrations can happen. But given a, a finite amount of time, there needs to be like you know certain priorities on you know certain yeah. testing, like you know. So uh, if I mean, if your if your chain isn't isn't voted right away or it's not being you know, worked on right away. That doesn't mean that, you know, people don't care. It just means that, you know, there's other, there's other priorities too. there's, there's a whole, there's a whole chain here. There, there's so many, there's so, so many features that are, they're being worked on. Not that all devs are working on all features, but uh, you know, there's a, there's only a limited amount of people working on a, a infinitely larger number of things that need to be yeah. done.
1: Yeah. IBC aggregator would be maybe the most exciting of the aggregators I could think of at the moment. <laughs> that'd be, that'd be really cool.
0: Yeah, hopefully it can happen. There's a lot of technical challenges with that, but you know, I've, there's some interesting discussion ar- around it at least. I, something like that sounds incredibly difficult to pull off, but you know, m- maybe it'll happen one day.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know enough. On that. I, I would imagine it's pretty possible, but like, I, I guess that requires that the Osmo itself integration. Like, you can't do that with Atom, I think, because the Atom would still have to be sent to IBC first, right? So that would kind of break it. Whereas the Osmo is kind of like a direct link. I think. (laughs)
3: Yeah, you're the wrong person,
1: but but yeah, I'll I'll, I'll trust you. I'll say sure. Why not? I would imagine. Yeah, I think that's why there's the the excitement to get Osmo in, because I mean, otherwise, like, it would be like, well, why not just build the aggregator now? But I think to get like all the osmosis pools, I would assume for it to be like a one click, like a one sign, one signature. I think we would need Osmo, but I'm not sure. I could be wrong too. I'm I'm no dev.
0: Sweet. Anything else interesting that's happening? We could also let audience up for questions too. If anyone has questions or they want to say anything, like if people didn't get their voice heard uh, last week's discussion and just, you know, want to make some comments or, um, you know, just speak to the community at large, you know, we're we're here. You can just press the, press the button on the bottom left if you're on mobile uh, and come up on stage.
1: Yeah. Feel free to come up. Just, just note, uh, I or familiar cow aren't the core devs uh maybe Pluto might jump back in if there's a technical question and he's available but uh otherwise yeah maybe a little bit of a casual chat <laughs> but yeah it's been a fun That's week right. I, um, I
0: do my best
1: Check. yeah same we'll, yep. well' I'll pretend to be Chad be just channel uh just say what you think he would say <laughs> but yep. uh no I was gonna say it's it's been a pretty fun week with on the ThorSwap side. Uh, we got ThorSafe launched, so that's now like an easy way for people to set up ThorChain multisigs. Um, just making it in as as simplified of an interface as we can for now. I think there will be more simplification in the future, but it's definitely manageable. And like you can set up a, a ThorChain mul- uh, multisig, which is pretty cool for potentially DAO run nodes. Um, you know, pooling liquidity together with friends or business partners or whatever, you know, institutional investors, things like that could, could pool together. Um, or just even personal general security, you know, to be able to set up a multi-sig without having to like run the client stuff on your own and make it all like, you know, understand code basically. So that was a pretty cool development. I think that's pretty big just to see like what whales and like bigger, it, it kind of allows for like a new, um, like a different type of investor. Right. So I think that's actually pretty big, um, pretty exciting. And then we've also got the, the Thor swap aggregator on August 23rd. So a lot of stuff's kind of rolling out right now. That's been talked about for, you know, months. So it's just like a pretty exciting time once again.
0: Yeah. I'm interested in hearing a little bit more about ThorSafe. I looked at the docs. I didn't get to play around with it yet. Cause I think it was just released like, like literally this week, but, uh, yeah what what's the the u x like for that like is is there can you only use a key store wallet can you use a, a ledger or, um, yeah so you know, how's that
1: work That's probably the one main downside for for right now. I know mogarki really was really tried on that and like really wants to see multiple wallets, so we'll probably see that over time, but uh, I don't know the exact like technical limitation there, but it is just key store for right now um so yeah, basically you just um you just each party needs uh needs a key store. So you can just like generate one on ThorSwap or use an existing one. Um and then basically each user has to connect to the ThorSafe interface and then you'll see your public key. Uh and then the creator of the of the ThorSafe has to collect the public key. So say like me, you and Pluto were setting up a uh a, a two out of three multisig or whatever like and i was the one setting up you guys would send me your public keys and then i would create the um i would create the thor safe file it's kind of like a key store file it's a it's a json file that represents the the combined uh multisig wallet i guess so then um then to like start a transaction you just have to upload that file to thor safe and then you can sign the first transaction and then you get a new file that has like one signature and then you pass that along to the next person so say i would like i would like upload the arthur safe file and start a transaction and i would put on the first signature and then i could send and then that would generate a file i'd send that to you and then you would put your signature send that to pluto he would put his, his signature that's if it was a three out of three of course um the only other thing that's like a little slight inconvenience that might be avoidable in the future is Right now, you have to specify which parties are going to be the signers. So, for example, if it's a two out of three with me, you, and Pluto, um, and I'm creating the transaction, I have to specify on this transaction, it's going to be Chad and Familiar Cow that are signing. I can't just say, like, oh, it's going to be two out of three and then whoever signs first. You have to kind of specify, like, which wallet is going to be signing. Uh, It's really simple in the interface, but you have to, that's just a little thing to note that you have to, like, uh, put in. Who the expected signers are going to be?
0: Mm, yeah, and interesting. Yeah, it sounds cool. I mean, more multi-sigs for for Thorchain. I mean, it's it's a good thing to to have. I mean, it's it's a bad thing to not have. I should say.
1: <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. Also, if I if I just I, I feel like I didn't give the best explanation right there, but we did put out a bunch of like uh, tutorials and medium article, uh, video walkthrough, and all that from Thorswap. So. Um, you know, if people really want to like see how it works, it's, it's kind of simpler than I probably just made it sound. Um, there's just a few things you have to know, but you know, it's, it's pretty
0: straightforward. I mean, if I can figure it out, I'm sure everyone here can figure it out. So. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, we brought Kenton and Lucas up. What's up, Ken? Oh, Hey guys.
3: Um, I think this is a dumb question. So if you can answer it, um, I'm, i my brain is stuck on how with protocol and liquidity, how does that drive up the rune price? I, I just can't figure that out in my brain.
0: So, protocol owned liquidity doesn't really do anything for for rune price. What what it does is it looks at this. So, uh, I made a, I just made a graphic for this last week. I, I'm going to try and get get this out um soon once the once the feature actually goes live live, but um so for for protocol owned liquidity, it looks at the synth utilization and as the synth utilization increases, once it hits a certain threshold, you can't mint any more synths because that would be unsafe for the system. It would have too much of a liability for the asset. Uh, if, if the room price dropped a lot, um, you know, it, it, could, it would basically wreck the LPs in, um, in, the, in the pool. It, right? it wrecks so, them because there's it's too
3: long. much leverage, right? It'd just it, it get too volatile in there?
0: Yeah, basically all of the all of the assets so if this is a Bitcoin pool for example all of the assets would be owed to the synth holders of the of the uh, of the pool and um, the the liquidity providers you know wouldn't have a claim to that because if the rune price is down um, is down too much that would just it, it makes it so Basically, all the Bitcoin in that pool is owned by the synth providers rather than the than liquidity providers, so protocol owned liquidity uh, it sort of steps in to take the pressure off of the liquidity providers in in this sense by you know being a liquidity provider itself and by by basically dripping in rune into the pools, it creates its own um, liquidity position in you know, in in the liquidity pools. So it becomes a liquidity provider. So that way the the pools can uh, grow larger. So that way uh, it never reaches past a certain uh, utilization. So that way it never reaches unsafe levels where uh, it would just completely wreck an LP with like a volatile price movement, basically. Okay, so if if you had like a really high synth utilization rate, like, you know, like 80, 90% or something like that, Uh, like right now, for example, it's like, you know, 15 to 15 to 20, uh, if rune price went, went way down, there's less Bitcoin in those pools and all of the Bitcoin that's minted by synthetic Bitcoin holders, you still, we still owe that to the Bitcoin holders. Right. So that means that there's really nothing left for the LPs. That's why the protocol steps in there.
3: Okay. So the pools will get bigger and deeper, but the rune price will be constant.
0: So th- there's there's two parts to it where by uh, minting a synth that uh by minting a synth you're lo- basically locking in rune and uh, and bitcoin into a pool like you know using the continuing the bitcoin example uh so that 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 uh puts positive pressure on the price of rune basically by locking by locking rune into the pool uh but by by since being minted that puts I it, it could potentially put, you know, uh, negative pressures on on the price of runes. It, it's kind of, uh, you know, two two ways about it. It's like they, they kind of, uh, you know, they, they, they work in tandem a little bit where, you know, there, there's one end, the, 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 the minting the synth locks those assets to a pool, but, uh, you know, protocol and liquidity adds more rune into the pools itself. So that puts, you know, ne- negative pressure on it. But that's only as the... Uh, utilization of synths increase?
3: Yeah, so if the protocol is adding liquidity, adding Rune to the pool, um, <clears throat> that's like inflation, basically. So it's not like the Rune price isn't gonna go up. If anything, the Rune, let's just keep all the price fixed. Let's say there's no volatility market. <clears throat> the Bitcoin price is fixed, Rune price is fixed, everything's fixed. And all we're doing is, is adding liquidity to the pool. We're doing one-sided, we're adding Bitcoin to the pool and the um and the protocol is matching with with pol if we can we can increase the size of the pool we can you know add in all kinds of millions of dollars of bitcoin but that won't affect the rune price the pool will get bigger and deeper but so will the number of rune in the pool so the rune price will stay constant but but the number of rune in the system will increase um is that right or wrong
0: yes and but it also depends so um in this example this person would be adding in synthetic Bitcoin into the pool, which is is effectively locking Rune and Bitcoin into.
3: into- oh, to create the synth, you have to you buy. Yeah, so
0: Rune, the, the are minted thing. with LP units, and LP units are comprised are fifty percent, you know, fifty percent Bitcoin, fifty percent Rune. So uh, yeah, I mean, there isn't really a so. While yes, the protocol is only adding rune, it effectively uses rune to buy liquidity units from from the pool. So it, I like, I, I'm not sure, um, you know, h- how much in effect that it would have because it's, effect- it's effectively buying really small amounts of uh, of liquidity units, like a- every block or so. Uh, like it's it's not like it's just added, it's just like dumping in rune into the pools, like you know, it, trying to trying to buy buy Bitcoin. Or whatever but uh but yeah it, it, like that the protocol is adding it's, it's adding rune into the pools but by the user is also adding rune and bitcoin into the pools by uh, you know minting since also
1: that it would still increase the security bond requirements right so there's still that side of the equation if the pools are deepening right like that wouldn't be canceled out by this yeah and that too so basically like if the pools are getting super deep, even if that rune is kind of like not fully counting in the normal way, it's still deepening the pools, which requires more rune to be bought, potentially bonded by nodes, more security and all that.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, if this, if this feature scales like, you know, really large, uh, you know, there are going to have to be more nodes that I mean, more, more nodes probably will bond in just based on the, Uh, You know, looking at the APYs are going to be like, you know, (laughs) you know, these APYs are really good. Let's let's, uh, you know, buy some store nodes and, you know, add add some security into the uh, into the network because the incentive pendulum is really tilted that way. Yeah. I mean, even even on the lower
1: end, even on the lower end, it's still affecting the incentive pendulum. So like, yeah, it doesn't have to get crazy to where like the nodes would be getting all the rewards for it to like, like even before that some of the rewards and start leaning towards the nodes that might incentivize, uh, you know, more bond on that side. So,
0: yeah. So, so while the protocol is adding just rune into the pools, like there's a lot of different effects that that the entire protocol and liquidity uh, machine has on on the network, not not just, you know, uh, adding rune into the pools. Will we,
3: well, it's, there's a, the hard cap on the pools. Um, that will include the POL, then, right? So that, yep, yeah, okay. Um, and then, is there a way? I guess so. The POL would go down if we had if we had rune holders who wanted to um, asymmetrically pull their rune in say in the Bitcoin pool, then the the, the POL would reduce to make room for these. Asymmetrical rune holders that want to enter the pool, so the, 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 so the POl is only there, kind of like as a, as a and last resort. Is that right, or
0: no? So POl really only exists to scale up synths. So you still so can't earn single-sided rune just entering a liquidity pool. You know, adding single-sided rune is still you know the same as adding like a, a two-sided. No, you're uh, right. just yeah, you're right. Deposit. Yeah. So yeah. You know, it doesn't affect that. All POl really does is allow synths to scale up. Which so this is like the first step of we add POL so that way synths can grow really large like we can have you know uh, you know hundred million of synth of synth assets on the network which can be locked into the pools for single sided yields basically so the, the, the POL just allows synths to grow really large because right now uh, you know if synths can only be thirty percent of of the network and you know right now. Uh, I'm not looking at the numbers right now, but let's say there's you know 150 million of liquidity on the network, then you know that means we we can only grow single sided uh, liquidity ads up to that that amount, right? And then it'll, it'll just be capped out, and then no one can add liquidity. So so POL it's allows since to scale really large, uh, so, so that way uh, you know people can start adding single sided liquidity once that that feature is live
3: yeah sorry guys something that i not in my brain isn't clicking but i'll um I'll just keep paying attention so yeah thank you
0: no worries i yeah i i made a i made a graphic with uh about about p o l earlier this week and uh, it'll definitely be out before the the features is live on mainnet so like right now it it's it's in uh you know the next door node version. Uh, which will be adopted really shortly. But, uh, you know, it's, it's still going to be just tested in, in Sagenet for a while. It's, it's not like going going live, live, I don't know, believe. So
3: is, is there anything okay. other than the GitLab page to, to read up on in your graphic? Is there is there anything else? Um, I don't know. I'm just having a hard time. There's a piece missing that this where I can't get the full picture.
0: Um, I don't know. Maybe Ryan might know. I I feel like there might be some kind of video that that Chad made about protocol and liquidity. I'm not sure if anyone else here has, has, like, I I feel like there might be, but I I can't remember off the top of my head. I don't know if you guys have seen anything. That's cool. All right. Well, thank you guys. Sweet. Thanks, man. Um, Lucas, what's up, man?
4: Hey, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, It's a quick question about the aggregator. Uh, I heard you you talking on the very beginning that the aggregator will be released together or right after AVEX release Mm -hmm. uh, within two weeks or so. But uh, I think I heard Shad uh, telling something that the aggregator will come uh, August 23rd. Uh, Is is there more than one aggregator or or, or how, how does it actually work to uh, cho- releases? Yeah, so it, it, you're exactly
1: right. We should probably have more clarity when we say aggregator now because there's really like many potential aggregators, right? So um, what Cal was referring to with AVAX is an AVAX ag- aggregator coming out at basically the same time as the AVAX integration. So meaning AVAX itself gets... Integrated into Thorchain, there's an Avax Ruin pool, but then basically within this, right around the same time as the launch, I don't know if you said two weeks or, or right away or, or whatever, but then it would also be able to aggregate all the Avalanche tokens um, through through aggregation as well. So then you'd be able to swap like Bitcoin to some Avax token, right? Um, what I was referring to with the Thorswap one, that's the that's the Ethereum ERC20 um, aggregator that has kind of been like the one we were talking about for a while, um, that's coming out on August 23rd. Um, But yeah, there's really like multiple phases to aggregation and you'll just see aggregation like become really just grow and grow over time. Like we were also just talking about um, IBC aggregator. So that would be like an aggregator that aggregates all the IBC tokens. Um, So they're really like, they're all um, separate contracts. It's the same concept, right? But it's like for each chain, um, multiple projects can even... Spin up their own aggregator contracts, like for example, like ThorSwap can have an aggregator contract, and Rango can have an aggregator contract, and DeFiSpot can have aggregator contracts. So you'll see a lot of different ones being built that do things slightly differently, but they're all using the same like base layer ThorChain aggregator capability to to build these things on top. So
4: yeah, you'll see it expand over time. Uh, okay, okay, understood. So uh, it's even better than what I was expecting. So. So it means that each aggregator, we can uh, swap the, the tokens that EVAX uh, has or Ethereum has on its own chain, right? Right. Yeah. So for example, um,
1: like with the like, I'll just speak from the ThorSwap side for a second, but with this aggregator coming out in a few days, like that will aggregate all the ERC20 tokens from Uniswap, V1, V2, or sorry, V2 and V3, um, Sushi Swap 0x and 1inch. So basically, you can swap like, you know, random ERC-20 to Bitcoin. You could swap Doge to random ERC-20. And then, yeah, when when the AVAX one comes out, that same concept would apply to all the Avalanche tokens. So it's basically like using a contract on the Ethereum or the Avalanche side and then interacting with the with the Thor chain pools. So there's like swap in and swap out and stuff like that. But maybe eventually, I guess you could see, well, I'll, I was just having a thought, but... I'll leave that aside, <laughs> but yeah, you'll see. Uh, you'll you'll see all those different um, to and from being capable with the aggregator. Okay, understood. Thank you very much, Will. Thanks.
0: Sweet. Yeah, aggregator is going to be sick, and the Avax aggregator going to be stupid fire. Question from Juggernaut. I just saw. Uh, is it possible to make an Osmo Rune Pool? Um, not right now. It is. It is possible, and we we could add. Like Osmo is on the list of chains that could be added to chains. So uh, you know, hopefully we could see something like that one day. It'd actually be a fairly simple integration because it'd be uh, very similar to the, the Atom integration. So uh, hopefully there can be some support. From that uh, eventually, because I think that'll be, that would be a strong integration, and especially with if, with an aggregator uh, that could come with it, um, that, that would be super tight. But nothing's being worked on right now specifically with the Osmosis, but I that would be a, a strong
4: addition. Hope that answered your question. It does. Thank you. So, so uh, just going further, as Kiton mentioned, room room prices. Uh, all, all the aggregators we use room as a. As a guest fee, like so, maybe it uh, will increase, right? So any any swap
1: that uses an aggregator is still going to be using Thorchain. Well, I slightly misspoke there. I mean, you could have like a, an interface that aggregates routes that don't use Thorchain. Like for example, if the Thorswap aggregator, if you wanted to swap like ETH to an ERC twenty, it might not actually route through Thorchain itself. Um, but for the most part, if you're doing a route that, has, that uses ThorChain, then you're still using the ThorChain pools. So everything that we normally talk about as far as like um, swap volume driving fees, which attracts more liquidity, which helps drive room price, all of that still applies it, it really exactly the same to the aggregator. It's just that now there's so many more potential swaps. So the potential for volume through ThorChain pools is much higher. So um, it's definitely a good thing for Rune because it basically just increases the potential for swaps and increases the potential for volume, which then increases fees, which attr- can attract more liquidity. So yeah, aggregation is like not just a cool thing to have for users, but it actually um, you know it really like expands the core uh, function of Thorchain itself and like drives the the key uh, metrics that we want to see from from Thorchain. So.
0: Yep. And uh, just to clarify, any any swap that goes through ThorChain, uh, it, it always uses Rune. So R- Rune is the settlement asset of ThorChain. So any swap, an aggregator swap, an ETH to Bitcoin swap, a- any single swap that uses a ThorChain pool will always either start or settle in in Rune uh, every single time. So just using the aggregator going going to like a, a low liquidity ERC-20 token, that's going to swap. You know whatever coin you start with to rune and then rune to eth and then eth to you know your your uh your coin on the erc 20 network so every single swap on door will always uh either start or, or settle in in rune and you know bring some some value to to rune that way yeah you can think of it as just like an extra swap just the nice thing
1: is that in the actual interface is only going to be like one transaction approval. So you'll feel like you're just doing one transaction, but on the back end, you know, like more stuff is happening. And it's like for example, if you're swapping from, you know, SHIB ERC20 to Bitcoin, you're still using the ETH rune pool uh, and the BTC rune pool. So
0: yeah. Sweet. Anyone else want to come up and ask some questions? Is Fat Kid in a Dream here? Fat Kid in a Dream? Gone once? Nah, he's not here. Damn. He requested last week while we were having that nice conversation, and I do want to, like, interrupt the flow of it.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, you you did the right thing. but I, I don't think last week was the time for it, but no, I am... No, it wasn't. I mean, I've got the popcorn ready. I, I want to see what he has to say, at least. <laughs> for people that don't have context, it's just this guy that's been, like, trolling around on... ThorChain's Twitter tweets and stuff saying that, like, I don't know, he, he thinks he thinks some wacky shit is happening. So he wanted to state his case and have Chad B or somebody, like, uh, you know, take the other side and we'll, we'll see what happens with that at some point, I'm sure. Yo, Asian, what's up, man?
5: Yeah, I had a couple of questions. Um, with regards to the AVAX aggregator, um is there going to be, like, a required amount of liquidity before, like, the aggregators, like, the... Uh, preferred path because um, I know when Adam launched um, I think uh, Defi Spot was saying like it needed like 3 million in the pool before it like actually uses that route as the preferred aggregator so as I understood there's going to be no like deployment from the treasury to like seed that pool because you know it's mainnet so I just wanted to know like is there how's that going to work like with the aggregator and AVEX going live at the same time
0: yeah I, oh there it did, what's up? Chad just popped in and out an hour, hour later, alright no problem. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I do remember someone speaking about that exact situation about how, like, it doesn't actually make sense with the aggregator to go live before a certain amount of liquidity is, is live uh, on the network. Although it, we, we did want the aggregator to, uh, to go live just to, as, like, a you know, w- with with the integration just as, like, a really cool thing, and the, you know, for, for our partners that are, uh, you know, doing this aggregator pattern. So I don't know if you've, you've thought about this, you uh, about this, Chad, whether the aggregator would actually go live right away, or whether whether we need a you know a, a certain amount of liquidity uh, on the network, because otherwise you know that would just result in a lot of a lot of slippage the whole way through. So yeah, What's up, Chad, I hope you're doing good.
6: Uh, so, so the question is. Uh, whether or not the DEX aggregator will be, will be live when 95 goes up? Is that the question?
5: Uh, no. The the question, Chad, was, um, like, is there – does there need to be, like, a minimum amount of liquidity before, like, the, the DEX aggregation through Pangolin is, like, the preferred route? Because there's just some discussion when Adam went live, and we were kind of discussing about, like, the, the aggregator for, for that as well. Like, there needed to be, like, a, a minimum amount. Um, I just wasn't sure if that was true or not.
6: Uh, there's no minimum amount. It, it's really a- – up to the UIs to determine okay. that on their own, rather than the protocol itself. Protocol is, will go live, and dex aggregation will go live at the same time, and all those things just be enabled right off the right off the bat. But the, if the UIs determine that they don't feel there's enough liquidity in the in the uh, you know AVAX pool, blah blah, blah then they can determine on, on a per UI basis whether they want to enable it or not. Right. Okay.
1: That makes sense. Um, yeah, I think when you're saying like if there would be another route, I mean that's up to like if DeFi Spot or some interface had like other available routes, then they might right. just choose the one that has the least slippage. So like the user ends up with the best output. Um, yeah.
5: I guess either way, like, um, as more liquidity gets added, um, the dex aggregation won't have as much of a problem with larger trades,
6: right? It'll just take whatever best route for the front ends, um, right, and I and I would expect on day one there wouldn't be like a large right. quantity of liquidity. Exactly, and it'll take you know a few weeks or something like this for to, to, to hopefully collect some, some good liquidity, and some good depth to it, and and over time that will hopefully get larger, and so the network gets more utilized. Blah, blah blah. But like, yeah, you're absolutely right. What you're saying,
5: right? Um, the other the other question I had was I was just having a quick discussion with, um, Orion on like Twitter about like the protocol of liquidity and you know there's the hard cap for about like 40 for another additional like 40 million roughly 45 million rune um but we were just like having a discussion about like how much initially of a cap there should be on the percent of rune from the reserve and we were just basically saying like or Ryan was suggesting like 1 million to 5 million rune initially and then as we feel comfortable and battle testing that with you know more simple uh, utilization or like
6: um, single-sided staking, we can increase that. I just wanted to get your your thoughts on that, Chad. Yeah, definitely want to start small. I, I would even say of course. Uh, I wouldn't want to go more than a million on day one. Uh, we to we bump it up fairly quick after like a week or so of of, be, of this behavior and making sure everything kind of operates in the way that it's expected to operate. Uh, and then we can bump up over time. But it, it'll be interesting to see the VOL by itself will probably not be used very much in the, when it's first launched just because there won't be a demand for since. Like right now, Like there's not enough utilization that any of the pools would even deploy any room to any of the pools at all because all the pools have you know are, are below their their like maximum cap right so even if we were deployed today we wouldn't really do anything in a literal sense and it's not really until we get like single side to yield or a book or something like this that creates a demand center for some veterans. yeah awesome that's that's great um thanks for answering the questions no worries.
0: sweet uh we had a question from well, actually, first off, there there's someone who commented on Twitter. When will the when will Thorchain be available on the Nano S Plus? And that's a good question. And the last I heard is that you know uh, we're working on it. Is like you know kind of like the answer that they <laughs> that they give. So I, I don't know if there's any uh, you know further response from that that you guys have heard of.
6: Yeah, I mean, it, honestly, it's just a bunch of dicking around. It feels like to me, like, like you know, we we gave them the code for it, like you know really early on and we're just waiting for them to to like flip the switch or whatever. Uh, and just, it's just, I don't know why it's so painful and so time consuming just to do simple, small changes. Like it's so frustrating really, to be honest with you, but there's no, there's no ATL, ATL on it. We're just waiting for, you know, uh, Ledger to get their shit in gear and just flip it on. Yeah, it
0: would, if you're looking to buy a Ledger right now and you have and you want to store your rune on it, don't buy a, a S plus at at the moment. It's not available on the S plus. Only the the regular model is that just the S? I think. Yeah, I think so. uh, X X two. Yeah, and X.
6: This, this is a part of me that just wants to like build a new project on the side that's just like a competitor competitor to like Ledger that is like free and open source and you know. It moves at the speed of the market. Mostly that's the industry rather than this top down controlled by a few executives, blah blah blah. Like this whole thing just like antithetical to crypto in general. And it kind of offends me in some sense. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like like we
0: should have you a mean everything that you know, is built in crypto before like within <laughs> the last couple of years everything that you know and like oh we love decentralization by the way you know sign up for an account here and
6: you know yeah <laughs> give, me, give, <laughs> give me your email face. I'm gonna control all the software blah 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 like this is bullshit this is just so counter of, uh, uh, counter like the entire ethos of the industry so there's like a small part of me that like that wants to just like build a competitor to, to Ledger just because fuck that shit That sounds pretty sick. So
1: you'd, you'd have like the physical hardware, but then just like the, the code would be open source. So like anyone could add integrations.
6: Yeah. Everything would be open source hardware. You can buy online. Uh, you can install your own firmware if you want to install your own apps, blah, blah, blah. Even just the way that it works of like, you have to like launch it, you could install an app and then launch that app. And then you can sign something like, it doesn't make it simple that I could sign multiple transactions Multiple chains, if I wanted to, and I felt oh, like, yeah, clicking click like crazy around all these places, and then like, I don't know why the fuck does the Nano S have like two megabytes of fucking space? Like, what is that? About? So they could sell the other one, yeah. <laughs> I know, I guess That's- it. Really
1: feels like 20 year old old technology, like, it's so like the screen is terrible, you're just like clicking buttons to navigate. Um, and, and yeah, what you just mentioned with like having multiple apps open, I mean, that's like the main reason why people will complain about using hardware wallets with, uh, with door chain interfaces. Cause it's like the ledger itself just isn't, it, it's not even like thinking about that problem, you know? So it's just not possible right now <laughs> to make it seamless.
6: I want, I want to do like a different interface. Like I want to do like, kind of like an iPod spin wheel, right. As an interface to it, but that, that's much more effective and efficient. Like if you ever like kind of put in your 24 words into a ledger it like takes three and a half hours to do it <laughs> it's like it's so painful and like it just uh, feels yeah. like this this industry is just ripe for the plucking of somebody to build and actually really like easy to use clean secure open source freely available to the entire industry like that's such an avail like, like, like there's a million dollar idea right there Anyone wants to take that one up $20. totally
1: already I've seen a couple that are like kind of cool but every time i look into them they're like we support bitcoin and ethereum and i'm like okay well that's not gonna work for my needs
6: <laughs> yeah that's why you have to make it open source right because yeah because the industry moves so fast there's no there's no corporate entity that can reasonably move with it right it's just, it's too slow of a process so you have to make it open source and make it freely available to everybody and you know if a new chain comes out like Solana or whatever they wanna add support for this new hardware wallet, they can just fucking add it for themselves and make it open source. I mean, anybody can just download that and install it and carry on, right? Like what the hell? <laughs> this is how it's supposed to work, people.
0: Yeah, I mean, can you imagine how good the UX would be just swapping you know, native asset for native asset directly on your ledger without, like it, it, it could be so simple but it's just not yet. (laughs) And I think eventually that we'll get to that point where it's like, where it is that simple. You just swap, you you press three buttons on your ledger and then it it swaps, you know, one coin right to your other without ever exposing your private keys or anything like that in a secure way. Like it it could be so easy, but there's a lot to be desired. Hopefully ledger can solve it. If not, someone else will solve it. And, you know, people will end up using the, the service that, that works best for them.
1: Maybe this is the shortcut to getting uh, Thorchain integrated into Ledger. We just say screw that and uh, rebuild Ledger, and it comes out of the box with Thorchain integration. You can just you can just swap all your native assets right on this beautiful device. That'd be pretty amazing.
6: I'm actually down with something like that. I, that would I, be that would be worth my time. Something to build. I'm kind of excited. <laughs> well, a little bit busy now, but maybe at yeah. some point in the future when things are less. Uh, hectic for me. Like we can start focusing on something. Busy. Like that. What, are,
0: what are you? What are you busy on? What are, what are you doing?
6: <laughs> Lots of things, my friend. Lots of things.
0: Yeah, we went through the entire 195 release today. Uh, Kenton, I had a question that uh, you could probably answer a little bit more fully and and explain some things to us. I don't know if you want to come back up and ask your your question again, Kenton. But we were talking a little bit about uh, you know just the dynamics of protocol owned liquidity and you know where there's. You know, rune sell pressure and and buy pressure, and you know whether that causes too much of uh, you know basically like like a, a selling of of, of rune or like a more inflationary rune by adding. Uh, P we, We're saying mostly that, you know, it th- things are like s- sort of balanced out demand-wise because people still have to add in single-sided, into people add dual-sided into the pools to create synth space and, uh, you know, synths get locked up, which locks more Rune, but at the same time, the protocol is adding Rune into the pool. So, I don't know if you want to, I, I've canceled up here if you want to ask a question. Sorry. No, good I think
6: you did good. We'll let chat answer. Yeah, so that's a good questions So, um when you add if you're trying to acquire a synthetic and you throw in some layer one bdc that creates say you're buying a hundred dollars worth of synthetic bdc you are creating a hundred dollars worth of buy pressure on the rune asset right but then the network in this hypothetical scenario hypothetical scenario where it has to kind of uh, provide the other side of it the network's going to provide rune so they're going to create you know a hundred dollars worth of rune uh pressure on the other side so it depends upon. Um, what percentage of the synth utilization the network is going to allow for that pool? So, if it's imagine it's 50% of the pool depth, not the asset depth, but the pool depth, then it's going to be a one to one ratio, which means you're creating $100 of buy pressure for the room asset, and then you're creating $100 of sell pressure for the room asset. So, it ends up being, you know, just a nil, right? Uh, if you have it lower than that, say you had like 25% of the uh, of, of pool depth. Then you're going to create $100 of uh, buy pressure in the rune asset, and then $200 of sell pressure in the rune asset because the network has to provide double of what it's, the the synthetic provided to to go back to that percentage target that we have. So it all depends upon that, right? And then it has the same effect in reverse, right? So say somebody's getting rid of a synthetic, uh, we're gonna we're gonna cre- we're gonna create uh, $100 of sell pressure. And then the network pulling out into Rune will create $200 of buy pressure, right? So it depends on the direction where we're going. If we're adding cents or removing cents, we'll create buy pressure or sell pressure. And also, what the sense utilization is that we're targeting. The lower that number is, the, the greater inequality between the buy and sell pressure. Uh, versus if you do like straight up 50% of the synth, uh, depth, of the pool depth, it'll be like a one-to-one ratio. Be male. I'm still lost. I'm sorry guys.
3: Um Chad, you did when, when Sense first came out, you did a video with a spreadsheet where you kind of broke it down. Is that a spreadsheet on Google Sheets where people can look at it and play with it? And then maybe if I if I play the math and I see it on Excel, maybe I can start to make sense. Uh
6: I did a I, I did one for I don't think I did one for Sense. I think I did one for like Glorify many, many months ago. Not I don't recall doing 1%. Maybe I did that's forget it. Now That's certainly possible, but, um, could I create a doc, uh, sense cents and POL? Yeah, I, I suppose I could do that. Um, I can see if I had some time to throw together like a video and an Excel sheet to kind of walk through the math of it. Do you want me to do that?
3: I mean, if you don't mind, sure. I mean, I, 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 can try to do it myself. I just, I can't even find the math. I don't even know how to, to be, you know, where, where, where to start with the math to, to do it myself. Um, because what I'm stuck on is with POL, like, is that inflation? Is that just adding rune to the network? It doesn't affect the rune price, but it just allows the network to grow um, in size, but
6: but doesn't affect the rune price. No, um, I, I, would say, I would say that it, it probably does affect the rune price because uh, that rune that's in the network now, in the reserve now, that is non-circulating rune, right? Because there's no mechanism to pull it out. Nobody can arbitrarily decide to buy it or sell it. It's just locked it in there, and it's it's getting secreted through you know mathematical procedures that we all are, everybody's already kind of aware of. As soon as you throw that into a pool, there's this potential that the, that the circulating supply of rune uh, basically effectively does increase, right? Because now that rune is can be bought and sold just through you know regular mechanisms of the market, blah blah blah. So yes, it does cause an inflationary effect. So The question then becomes what's more valuable to the network, right? Like the pro versus the con, like the con being we are adding more ruin into the pools, right, and more ruin in terms of circulating supply. We're theoretically, you know, that max that it possibly could be is we're adding maybe another like, I don't know if the number is 20 or 30 million, uh, somewhere in that area, I think. I haven't done the math in a long time, but like somewhere between like 20 and 30 million ruin in circulation on top of the 230 that is circulating today or something like this so you're you're increasing it you know not a whole lot like five ten percent and and the absolute extreme scenario of like we max everything out like crazy right and that, and that it, 20 30 million number you're getting that because because of the hard cap right we, we can't do any because of the yes so the, the network the network's only going to be able to put in enough rune that the that the bond can support right are not can just yeah. dump rune infinitely into the pools and everything's cool It's not how it works so because the bonds are so so deep and the pools already have some percentage of that depth kind of already kind of calculated and how much room can fit in there is is relative to the remaining space that is in the pools that can't allow and you have to figure out like and then you have to calculate that in comparison with the synthetics that's also being added and so whatever the kind of target utilization we're targeting for which that's tbd that hasn't been determined yet yeah. but whatever that number is will affect the result right like so if that number is you know uh, like 20 percent, let's just say right just for sake of argument uh the amount of room will be in will be you know more because for every you know, $1 of synthetic, the network will put in, you know, $3 or something like these are making up numbers here. This aren't exact numbers, but just making things up. So so that the amount of room that the network can secrete in is larger than if you did a centralization of like 50% because now it's going to be like a one to one ratio, right? So the, the amount of room that the network's going to put in is going to be, you know, a, a third or a, or half what it would be in the smaller number, right? So. You're getting all that kind of action going on, but at the same time, you're also providing like since.
0: Can you guys hear okay? Sorry, me things cut out for me. Yeah, I can hear. Um,
3: Sorry,
6: was I muted there?
0: Yeah, I just just for the last two seconds. Oh, like. Okay, I don't know.
6: Um, so the the benefit here is that we're we're allowing people to earn you know yield on their synthetic right, or so earn a BDC on their BDC, which is a a big kind of like draw, right? It's going to cause a lot of attention and focus and people to get involved. And, and with the network and provide capital and learn more about it. And and maybe then also buying some room because they've become fans of uh, ThorChain. They want to, they want to be speculative on it. And they want to hold some room just because they believe in the project. So like that's kind of the trade-off that we have to think about as a community is on the one hand, the reserve capital that it's putting into the pools is in my opinion, inflating the room supply by about maybe five to ten percent or some number like this. I'm not sure of the exact number, but something like that. Which is to me is not all that that, that significant in terms of its theoretical effects onto the price. Um, but then the, the benefit is we're getting this new functionality of single asset yield, which is you know a long sought kind of feature that everybody would wish they could have, right? And we are more or less the first ones to, to provide that so for me in my opinion the the pro far outweighs the con but that's just my two cents yeah yeah, i agree i mean
3: i think it's great i'm just my what i'm what i'm stuck on is i don't see how that uh drives up the rune price um like directly like when you add when somebody's adding say a bitcoin to create a synth okay that that's buying pressure on the rune token that drives up the price but then when the protocol adds liquidity then in my mind that's inflation which drives down the price. So, so, so they, they negate the 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 negate effects are negated. So we're increasing the size of the pools and network, but we're not really increasing
6: the
3: uh, price of the Rune token, which is fine. I'm not saying it has to or it should, you know, yeah. adding a future, growing the network is great. Well, I just want to make sure I understand the mechanism, like how like how it's
6: actually affecting the Rune price, whether it's so up or down or neutral. It's affecting it in two ways, and in, it's in, in a positive direction. So. The direct way is that the act of the pool is becoming much deeper and the pool is getting much more full, the pendulum swings towards the nodes, right? So, all of a sudden, the nodes are earning, you know, much higher yield than they are today. And so, all of a sudden, like, oh, wow, the yield goes from, you know, 10% to whatever it is right now on the nodes to, you know, 20% or 30% or some number. I don't know what the number is going to be, but just some higher number. And so, that creates like, oh, wow, like, it's a huge yield on, on Rune. And then the nodes, you know, want to buy up more runes so they can get more yield on that, on that rune. Blah, blah blah. So that creates a direct kind of uh, buy pressure on the rune asset, just from the nodes, the node operators wanting to, you know, take a larger position because of the large because it's a much larger yield all of a sudden, right?
7: Mm-hmm.
6: The indirect way is just that um, by providing something that nobody else has really provided before, especially on assets that people want it provided for, like Bitcoin, for example, the awareness of Thorchain grows significantly. At least in my opinion, this is true. And so as the community of Thorchain grows, the number of participants uh in in the network or in the community increases, then the inherently that also creates you know buy pressure in an indirect way right it's not direct like one person creates 100 dollars of pressure or something like this but in an indirect way people create awareness and that the community grows the larger the community grows the more by pressure inherently there is uh correlationally speaking. and then the, you know, the room price should rise with that right that's partially one of the thesis of like as we add a new chain whether it be you know dash or cardano or you know whatever and those other communities are now learning about Thorchain for many of them, like for the first time, or getting a, a more of a deep, in deep, deep look, in depth look at it. They become fans of it because they allow us to trade my dash to Bitcoin, blah blah blah, and then they become members of our community, right? Providing liquidity and holding rune and being exposed to it, and and becoming fans and interacting <laughs> with the, our community, which inherently causes our community to grow, which causes the price inherently to grow with it. Okay, that's that's great because.
3: My initial, I guess, concern or worry about uh, single side liquidity in POL was it's going to leverage the rune price. It'll drive up the rune token, which is great. We all want to go up, but then then there's the downside, right? Leverage works both ways, and if those single sided stakers pull out and rune, you know, tanks, and the rune price is volatile, it it hinders that whole everything you just said about building a network and community and users and all that. you know, it's it's better when the rune token is more stable um,
6: as opposed to volatile. So, well, no, a volatile rune token is, is beneficial for the LP especially, right? Because while a volatile rune asset means there's lots of arbitrage opportunity, which creates uh, lots of opportunity for, to, for collecting a fees like the network loves a volatile, ruin in some sense, but the reason why I, I'm not—you're right in the sense that you know what come, goes up must come down, kind of mentality like that. That's perfectly fine and legitimate. But what, what I when I talk about something like the Thorchain community growing, that generally grows in a, in a one direction. Generally, that's not always true, of course, but generally, like as you kind of get more and more people involved with it, you, and you kind of grow your community, it doesn't always. You know, uh, it doesn't generally shrink all that much because people, unless something happens and there's an exploit or or you know, uh, there's a rug pull or I don't know, like something like of this fucking nature that just you know uh, is not very very likely. But like those things have a, have more sticky power. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, it's much more sticky than that. sense. if you just have people like just doing like, is my uh, phone screwed up or Chad's? Oh, can you hear me? Okay,
0: I can hear you fine. It's, it's probably just a Twitter space bug. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) If
6: if you get in a situation where you're you're doing uh, um, uh, mercenary capital, mercenary capital is just like, it has no stickiness to it, right? People just come and they can go and they'll move and they'll leave and they'll sell and they'll buy. Like all those things just kind of fluctuate with the wind. Right. But uh, providing a a service that nobody else can provide, that everybody wants to be provided, that is a much stickier uh, situation to be in, which is, which is beneficial for the network, especially in the long term. Hopefully Kenton can hear that. I'm not sure if he's having a hard time hearing me. Well, he dropped out.
0: I I, I think it's fine. I I can hear you fine. I think it's a clear explanation. And uh, the recording's there too, if he wants to go back and listen to it.
6: It's a good question to ask.
0: To me, is there anyone else that wants to uh, come up and ask a question before we wrap up for today? Anything, anything you're excited about, Chad, or anything you want to uh, discuss? We talked a little bit about POL at the beginning and you know, it's pretty much everything that's new in 195, which is like like seems like 5 million things in, in one nine five is a really yeah, good one,
6: release. 195 was mega huge, maybe even too huge uh, to be honest. We should work on keeping it a little bit smaller in the future, but um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things I'm really excited about. Um, I'm obviously excited about the POL single sided asset order books that's being worked on now. There's, to me, these are probably, uh, you know, the next, next major features to the core protocol. Um, and then beyond that, I'm also very excited about um the uh tornado cash kit like and this is to me this is going to be a, a significant moment in our industry's history where, where we start to kind of force regulation to be clarified because now you've just you know sanctioned uh a non-entity that can't uh does not have an, an, an ability to appeal itself which is by some you know people would consider that to be unconstitutional me being one of them um and so it's going to create you know Lawsuits and and stuff like this to 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 force out to finally have regulatory clarity or these 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 things, and in my opinion, it's, it's, I think it's going to fall you know on our side, right? Just as it did in the in the nineteen nineties with the encryption wars that the cyberpunks were kind of waging against governments. In the end, cyberpunks won for a good reason too, and I think the same kind of ideas and thought process will apply here as well, and, and I think we'll become victorious. But that'll be a multi-year you know, three to five year process, but this is like the first kind of like, you know, rock that's been thrown and it's going to be exciting to see how this kind of, uh, moves forward, you know, going uh, over the next two years.
3: Guys, I don't know what happened to my Twitter. I'm sorry. I had to reset it, but I'll, I'll, I'll listen to the recording. Um, but Chad, thanks for your, thanks for your answers.
6: I won't, I won't hog any more time. Thanks guys. No, thank you for asking Ken. Sweet. Anything else that we want to discuss? Last call. I don't think so. Sorry, I couldn't make the beginning of it. I was helping help my wife out with something. No problem. Pluto is on. We, were, we had a, a good review of,
0: of pretty much everything that's, that's new in 195. All right, let's let Juggernaut up real quick. Yeah, cool. I'll
6: see you all next week. Wait, wait, wait. One more. One more. Oh, one more. Okay, go ahead. Here we go. What's up, Juggernaut? You there? It seems like we cannot hear you this time. <laughs> yeah, it I can hear either. No. I don't know. Maybe the audience can.
7: Yeah, it works. Um, thanks for the answer about uh, Osmo. Thank you very much. Uh, I don't know if uh, it's the right place to talk about this, but uh, just got uh, an idea. Uh, We are every day closer to uh, the 365 days since the reboot of ThorChain without any hack. So it's to talk about uh, something uh, that nobody uh, here uh, like uh, so much, it's about marketing, so why not make an event at uh, the 30, uh, the 365 days to show to everyone that AC are in past of TorChain, now it's safe and just shut up to, hate it to all haters. <laughs> That's all, just um, an opportunity to make some noise. What do you think about it?
6: well the the hacks from a marketing perspective has been kind of a thorn in my side because every time I have a um, an interview or a meeting with somebody or something like this they always have to ask that question which is just uh, annoying to answer after you know a year of answering that question as you can probably imagine um, i I wouldn't want to make uh, to me like the the best way to move forward is just to, just to move past it and and not you know, dwell on it any further or, or bring it up any more than, than I have to. Um, and, but the other thing is like, I would never want to tell people that Thorchain, chain, you know, is hack free and there will not be any more hacks or exploits. Like that's just something I cannot say publicly because I don't know that for absolute fact, obviously no code base has this can make this kind of promise. And anyone that does, you should probably run away from them <laughs> because they're probably just, you know, selling smoke and mirrors at that point. Uh, I wouldn't trust them. They're detached from what they're actually doing. So I wouldn't want to make any public statement saying, hey, we've been hack free for over a year now and everything is is fine and and nothing will ever happen again. That's something I I, I certainly will not say publicly. Uh, I might feel that way internally, but I would not want to say that and then two months go by and something happens and then somebody's yelling at me because I told them, you know, there were no, nothing would ever happen again in the future. And, and apparently I was wrong in that hypothetical. So I don't think there will be any more hacks personally. Like I'm not terribly concerned about it. I mean, I'm always concerned about it. I'm always working with the 4 team, like to be fair, but like, I feel quite confident after many months and, of testing and all the auditing we've done and, and the procedures we set up, the bug bounties, the protections we have in the network, like, all these things can be a good amount of confidence, but I can never make the statement that we're like everything is fine and nothing will ever happen again. That would just be irresponsible and probably even downright, you know, misleading. Okay, understood. Thank you very much. Sweet. thanks, Shagun. Sure All
0: right, let's let's wrap it up. Thanks, thanks everyone for coming out. I always of these on Fridays at noon Eastern. So hope to see you guys again in the future. Is recordings anywhere you get your podcasts? Look for the Rune based podcast, and uh, they also go up on
6: YouTube. So thanks everybody. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks, Chad.
1: Thanks, guys. See ya.